The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. Broadcasting from on location again in a beautiful, sweltering Burbank, California. This is the Knapsack Files. I'm Ken Knapsack for another interview. This is why you're here to listen to the interesting personalities I am able to trick into coming into my studios and onto my microphone so they can talk about life, the universe, and everything. And this one, uh, this has been another one long in the making. Last week we had uh, actor Chad Michael Collins on, and I said that was long in the making. This has been on my list, but I ended up bringing in his broadcast partner, his his podcast partner, Jack Conway, first, and I I need to make amends. This is Aaron Pruner. Hi, I'm. You can call me beautiful or sweltering if you want to. <laughs> you are both, sir. You are sweltering. You are a lot of things. You uh, you are um, uh, known to me as the one half of Punch Drunk TV. Used to be past the F and remote, but I guess we yes. don't talk about that anymore. <laughs> I don't know. Yes, it's changed, but it's still the same. You and Jack Conway, who was just recently on the Knapsack Files, who I've known for years, but uh, you guys, uh, you have a few drinks and you talk a little TV. We, yeah, yeah. We do that. It's been almost four years of doing this show. Has it been four? Yeah, Jack doesn't count right. Jack says five, sometimes he says ten. I know it's been four because it was the year I started at Geek Nation, which was 2012. That makes sense because I remember when Conway started it and I hadn't started podcasting yet. And I was like, interesting, you're going to try that new podcasting technology yeah. that was already 10 years old by that time it, for me. But, it, but was, like, it, was, um, it, was, uh, it was a mission I was going on to get Jack to do something with me. Yeah, As you know, yeah. it's hard to peg Jack down. Yeah. And um, in 2010, I think it was, no, maybe 2009, I was writing for a website called Icons of Fright, which right. was just a hobby. And Jack and I had this idea yeah. um, uh, for, for an ongoing an ongoing series of articles called Booze Reviews, where uh, the Human Centipede had just released. He came over to my apartment. This This is where your story starts. This is where... (laughs) Welcome to the origin story. Um, He comes over to my apartment literally with a bottle of rum and yep. a, a roll of bread and a hunk of cheese. And and our, the mission was we were going to watch um, uh, The Human Centipede. We were going to record the audio yeah. kind of like MST3K style. Sure. We're watching and commenting on it. And then it turned into this article of us <laughs> just riffing on this just bizarre, horrific movie. And after we did that, it was so much fun. We did another one that never made it called uh, for, for, a, for a movie called Oh My Zombie Mermaid, which is what? a Japanese zombie mermaid okay. love story. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> and, Finally, um, their it, story can be told. It didn't, it didn't uh, go as uh, the Human Centipede one went, but I, it was at that time I said, we need to do something, Jack. Right. We need to, we need to do something. And it took about a year to lock him down. Yes. And we recorded a test audio and pitched it to Geek Nation. And mm-hmm. their, their only note was, we hear a lot of clinking of ice cubes in a glass. Can you <laughs> That's please? my favorite. And Jack was like, we're not cutting that out. And so he made this hashtag clink the drink, and it just became yeah. part of the show. Yeah, I do remember that. I, and I have some clinky, drinky episodes, too, myself, probably inspired by Jack and Yeah, you. he now puts it next to the mic. Mic like, on he's purpose? Like, oh, he doesn't want that? Well, that's staying in the show. Yeah. And you guys have, uh, even through different carriers and, and names, you guys have, have, uh, have just found that rhythm and that chemistry, and you're still going strong, right? I mean, you're regularly recording. 
Uh, Which is the yeah. key to podcasting. Yeah, like success. once a week. Now, look, I've known Jack since the 90s. He and I, really? so it's not like we we met for booze reviews. He and I met at a goth club uh, <laughs> back when I was a goth kid and he was a goth kid. He has he had black hair at the time and yeah. I, I believe he has a tattoo of Vampire the oh, he does. on his back. Oh, he does. He was dating the DJ right. um, who everyone had a crush on. That's and Jack. Um, she introduced him to me, I believe it was at a short-lived club called Nocturne. i got to tell him that because he was asking me the other day what club it was. And when I met him, he showed up in a blazer and a nerdy shirt, which is right. something you don't – you didn't see at goth clubs in the 90s. And he – I, I, I was introduced to him and he handed me a little thing of Play-Doh. <laughs> Which I still have to this day. And I tell him Aww. that. I'm like, you gave me Play-Doh when we first met. And Aww. I remember saying, I think we're fast friends. And um, I ended up working at an internet security company with him called Netmore soon yeah. after that, which was the first time I ever worked Graveyard Shift. And as an actor at the time, that was all the stuff I was looking for. And it was a horrible job. Did not fit my right. personality at all. But, Most um, graveyards don't. Yeah, that's kind of where he and I first and became friends. Got going, got strong, and I remember, I remember hearing your name before I had met you. Jack would say, "My friend Aaron," like Voldemort. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I said it out loud. Said it out loud. You said the name Aaron Pruner. Now you are a California boy, born and bred. Correct. Panorama I am. City. Is that right? Uh, I was. Yeah, I was born at Kaiser in Panorama City. Panorama City. I know that. You're yeah. Doing some research on I, me. You know, I've you're been stalking, following you around. I've been stalking. following you around, man. I'm going to put tape over my webcam when I get home. <laughs> you should absolutely <laughs> do that. I know people who have to do that. Um, so California born and bred, which is uh, you know sometimes rare in this town. It is if you're an actor. Yes. Or anyone in the entertainment That's true. Business. That's true. And, and I know that because... Um, There's a lot of others. So first off, I come off, I guess, like I'm from the East Coast, but I am from L.A. Yeah, you do. I get that a lot from people. And yeah. I've actually never been to New York, and people get pissed off when I tell them that. I did. I Side note, I, I went two Octobers ago for the first time, and I had the same same reaction. And I lo- I've always like loved the idea of going to New York. Yeah. Just it didn't happen. Right. And people are like, you haven't been to New York? Yeah. What's wrong with you? I used to work at Starbucks, and I had a customer get... Irate with me because she thought I was lying. She's like, "You are lying to me. You are not blonde. You are not blue eyed. You obviously don't surf." I'm like, "What the fuck do you mean? I obviously don't do. It? Look at me. I mean, at the time I had bright purple hair, right, 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 and I was like 135 pounds wet and really pale, so it looked like I never got sun. But why would you make that assertion? But yeah, um, it, it hit me one time. I went in for a commercial audition, and yeah. when I went, in, it was one of those auditions where. They bring you in in groups. So it was yeah, yeah. myself with like seven other people who all looked exactly like me. Right, right. And That's a little freaky. It was an audition where a lot of times in commercial auditions where they don't have script copy ready, they'll just interview you and ask you questions. And the first question was, by a show of hands, who's from L.A.? And I was the only one that raised my hand in the room. And they, <laughs> they were like, what's wrong? Really? They looked at me like I was lying because yeah. even the person running the session wasn't from L.A. Right, right. And so that ended up being my interview of like, what's it like being from L.A.? Why are why you an actor? You, why did yeah. you do this? Yeah. Well, well, then yeah. that's a fair question. How did that happen? Did you just take all this in because you grew up in here? Or is it something you... Oh, you, you mean the acting yeah, thing? Yeah, acting. Yeah. Um, Let's talk it, about it. Uh, well, um... Well, Ken. Well, well, Aaron. Well, Ken, it started in the first grade. Um, no, it actually started in the first grade. I accidentally became Scrooge in A Christmas Carol. Um, I was uh, assigned the, the, the job of running lines with the different actors. Okay. And no one was memorizing the lines. But because I was doing it so much, I had everyone's lines yeah, memorized. 
and they finally had me read for it, and I had never thought of even doing anything like that, and that was my first venture into um, theater. Right. And I did a bunch of plays. I played Scrooge twice in two different school plays. <laughs> two different schools, actually. They said, ah, there's a sarcastic Jewish boy. Let's put him <laughs> up on... Um, but it was the se- my senior year in high school. It was even before that that my yeah. mom was trying to get me involved in entertainment acting okay. and I didn't want to do it. And um, hmm. I, I remember I was, I don't know if you remember Faces International. There was a company called yes. Faces International that got a lot of press for scamming kids. Scamming kids, yes. I almost yes. went with them. Oh, good choices. Uh, mom made a good choice there. Was, there. there was also, oh no, I said no. My you mom said wanted no. me to well, do, I saying, felt mom, uncomfortable. Yeah. They wanted like thousands of dollars up front. Uh, they do your own headshots, yeah. you get into their classes, yada yeah. yada. But there was another one, too, where it was a workshop with Corey Feldman's dad <laughs> that I remember <laughs> that doing. That sentence started strong and ended weak. <laughs> That's, yeah. yeah. Um, so both of those things came, you know, fell flat. And it was my senior year in high school. And I went to a very small high school. I went oh, to right. high school with Drew Barrymore. Really? Uh, who was, and she was high on drugs. The, the, the whole time? Yeah. Did she last the whole time there? No. You um, she was a year ahead of me. Okay. Um <laughs> First time I actually met her, I was in junior high school with Jeremy Miller, yeah. who played Ben Seaver on Growing Oh, Pains. yeah, 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 yeah. And I became friends with him, and he's like, hold on, I'm going to go meet a friend of mine. It was in the morning. And Drew Barrymore, who looked like she stepped up straight off of the Poison Ivy set, <laughs> brown curly hair. It's not Gertie from E.T. anymore. Showed up and dealt him drugs in front of her. Perfect. And I didn't know who she was. And she got super pissed off at me. And then I ended up going to school with her. And then later on, I was on the movie Never Been Kissed. Oh, right, that yeah. she was in. Yeah. And I brought it up to her. And she, her face, like, went white as a sheet. <laughs> you brought and she, that up And she was like, we never talk about that school. And she kept coming over joking with me throughout that. But it was at that school that my well, senior year of high school, mm-hmm. it, there were – now, when I say this is a small school, there was about 150 kids in the entire okay. school. There were 14, the entire school, yeah, so that includes were, all grades. Got there it. were 14 kids in my senior class. Wow. Um, in L.A.? Yeah, it was a small preparatory school. It's not even there anymore. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I know. They're, they're, they're there. No, but, yeah. I know. There's like Sierra Canyon and stuff up there. Yeah. I know that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Mine was called Stone Ridge. Stone Ridge. Yeah. There were a lot of, cool, a lot of kids getting stoned in the parking lot. I'm not Ridge. kidding. Um, but there was an announcement earlier in the week that a casting company was going to be coming to the school. Mike Humphrey's right. casting. And they were going to be auditioning for an undisclosed, unnamed commercial. Right. So it was just boys they were auditioning. Okay. And uh, they had a sign-in sheet. Who wanted to sign up and do it? And I'm like, well, I, I, why not? You know. So I, I signed up. I Scrooge twice. I signed up. To audition, and they auditioned all the boys in my school who yep. passed, I think, who were 15 years or older. And I went in, it was first thing in the morning, and it was the first time I ever read for a commercial, and I booked it. Wow. Off of that reading. One and for one. The basic idea was I was the, 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 the sarcastic counterboy that wanted nothing to do with the people coming in ordering. Back when Little Caesars Pizza commercials yes. were all, like, really goofy. Yes. I was oh, there was some great I ones. was the deadpan guy behind the counter, like, yeah. two pizzas, pointing at the <laughs> sign behind me. <laughs> yes. Um, and, yes. There, and I was like, uh, do you have to have the same toppings on each pizza? <laughs> no. And it was that no that I right. found out that got me the job. Really? And they had auditioned over a hundred schools through wow. uh, along the coast uh, throughout right. LA and everything. And that was my first time ever Getting being in front of a camera. I went in and I auditioned with 
not auditioned. I was in the commercial with the red-haired kid from uh, The Sandlot. Yeah. Uh, his uh, name is Patrick. Yeah. And I ended up doing another commercial like 10 years later with the same guy. Same guy. <laughs> which was kind of crazy because he remembered me. I was in it with an uh, old school uh, black comedian from, I think, the 40s or 50s named Slappy White. Yeah, yeah. He was in the commercial yeah, yeah. with me. And uh, I, I did this commercial. It was the first time uh, they taft Hartlead me, which means yeah. if you're not in the union and this is your first union job, they will pay your union fees for you. For you, but yeah. It made me a must join. And from there, I... It, it went backwards. I booked a commercial. Then I got headshots taken. And <laughs> then he decided to start acting. And then I got an agent. And the way I got my agent was my mom was friends with Ernest Borgnine. Get it. What? This is the best Hollywood, <laughs> growing up Hollywood my story My mom ever. used to work at City National Bank, and she had all the celebrity clients that came in. You know, yeah. I had... I had met um, uh, Dan Aykroyd, signed an uh, autograph for me, and I had Ray, Ray Stans on my wall growing yeah. up as a kid. I met Adrian Zmed from the hit oh, yes. uh, TV show T.J. Hooker. Yes. Um, Ed Bagley Jr. was a friend of hers that I met multiple wow. times. He was really into ice skating in the valley when I was growing up. <laughs> um, I think he still is. He goes to the Whole Foods car. near me, yeah. yeah. Um, and she happened to know Ernest Borgnine, and he referred me to his agent. Wow. Uh, at the time, and she was like old school Hollywood agent. Her name was Francis. I mean, if you have anything to do with Ernest, Ernest Borgnine, you got to be old school Hollywood at that point. Yeah, and six months later, I booked VR Troopers. That's yes, and that is the big thing. <laughs> it's crazy how it all. Yeah. It's crazy how it all went down. It was a week yeah. after I graduated high school. Yeah. So was that ninety four? Yeah, ninety four. Yeah. You're doing VR Troopers, which yeah. is something that's that, still that week. I auditioned for VR Troopers and Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad. Well, the fate took you to the right one. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> Fate yeah. took you the right spot. Yeah, it was like I, uh, <laughs> for, for the theme of the week. I remember heading to the audition for VR Troopers yeah. and getting into a car accident. I oh, got rear-ended no. by a person. I'm like, this is either really bad or really good. I thought you were going to say I got rear-ended by like Jan Michael Vincent on the way. <laughs> that would have been pretty know, awesome. To meet Ernest Borgnine to, for an Airwolf yeah. reunion. Oh, wow. <laughs> to complete that, your Hollywood <laughs> stories there. We are uh, aging ourselves here, <laughs> But VR Troopers, for those who... Uh, how would you describe it for those not in the know, for the younger, maybe the younger well, folks in the audience? I hate, I hate calling it a ripoff or spinoff of, or copycat of Power Rangers. Right. But for those not really aware, I mean, it's kind of that. It's from the same company that did Power Rangers. It's the same sort of genre formula of, uh, of uh, they used Japanese footage from actual Japanese TV shows and Americanized right. it with... Um, you know, an American story, an American right. uh, uh, cast of characters, where Power Rangers was high school, VR Troopers was college. Right. And so it was a little bit more mature. And uh, 1994 virtual reality is not what it is today. Right, 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 the right. The Lawnmower Man is as best, if you've seen that Stephen King movie, that's as best as you can really. Johnny Mnemonic, maybe? Yeah, um, yeah maybe, yeah. <laughs> it, uh, there was a short-lived arcade in Pasadena called um, Virtual World, where it was all like virtual reality video games, and now it's a movie theater. Um, we had a tie-in with them, so like we went to a premiere there. And um, Oh, wow. Yeah, it's uh, so the basic idea of VR Troopers is there are three college kids. Um, one is a, works in a dojo, one is a computer geek, and one is a newspaper, like a reporter, and they haphazardly become these superheroes who have to 
break through the reality barrier into the world of virtual <laughs> reality to fight off the evil Grimlord and stop him and his evil henchmen called Skugs yes. from entering our reality and taking over our world. And I played the nerd. The computer geek? No, I was not the computer no, geek. No, you were the nerd. No, I, I wasn't a computer. Like yeah. this, I was just a nerd. I was just a... I was... I, they, they, they made comparisons to Screech... Right, uh, right. Steve sure. Urkel, but I even also got a lot of like Dick Van Dyke and and Jerry Lewis because they wanted really slapstick. I was right. given homework when oh, I started the job to watch like Dick Van Dyke to watch old Dick Van Dyke, but show. not like Diagnosis Murder, but like no, yeah, no, classic. no, the black and white, <laughs> and to watch like Jerry Lewis and the Bellboy. Wow, you know, which was all slapstick comedy. No, especially that it was he had no dialogue. Yeah. It was just a silent movie. Yeah. Um, and it, it was a, it was an interesting part of my life. Yeah. You know, I, I went in and read for it. But I mean, you're one of the leads. You're, you're doing it, I right? I wouldn't call me a lead. lead? Okay. You're what I was, uh, I was, A, it was a non-union show. So really? I got paid really poorly. Oh, um, man. like I was on TV. It was a number one syndicated children's show in America and I, I was living with my mother. Yeah. I totally remember that. In days. the ghetto. I was making about a hundred dollars a week. Get out of here. Um, Hollywood. Yeah. Well, that was the first year and that was around the time before Saban was taken uh-huh. like, and had that lawsuit against him for child exploitation and not right. paying their talent properly. Like I'd work 12 to 14 hour days, 15 oh, hour wow. days and I would get paid just for the day of work. So I was guaranteed one day of work a week my first season. Wow. And so I was guaranteed at least $100 for wow. that week. And I did my own stunts. And it was like, <laughs> you know, I had never worked on a TV show before. And this was just kind of a run it and gun it kind yeah. of thing. It was non-union. They were on a schedule. They did a cluster of four episodes every two weeks. So we shot four episodes. Wow. It's like almost like Spanish-Mexican uh, soap operas here, man. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I learned a lot from it. Uh, yeah. It took me a while. It took me a while to really come to terms with that character and that work I did on that show because I yeah. was really in a depressed place in really? my life at that time. And I found being as wacky as possible and playing this character helped kind of work through that stuff. But at the same time, like it was a. Can I cuss on this show? Yeah, yeah. You, it was a you, shitty job. Like it just really. Was, yeah, and it, it was non-union. As as non-union as anything non-union can get, and Sounds they like exploited their child talent. And when they renewed it for a second season, I came at it with, "I'm not coming back unless I get an opening credit, right. and you double what you're paying me. I want two fifty a day. I'm doing and, my stunts, <laughs> and just uh, you know, guarantee me two days of work a week, right? Because the leads were getting paid like sure. for you know, they had their own dressing rooms, and they you were, didn't even have a you were out in the parking garage. No, changing? I had a room. But it was also a room that went to extras, and I sure. it wasn't like I wasn't important, and, and it wasn't like you were demanding this stuff. You just you're part of this show yeah. on a regular basis, yeah. As a child actor, still, and even though you're about eighteen, nineteen, I gained you know? uh, I gained a weird sense of fame, which was just weird. Like, yeah. kids would recognize me, and because at the time it was before Columbine, before yeah, yeah. nerds on TV were cool, yeah. And I was the punch bag, like I was I was the punchline of every, yeah. you know, there's Bulk and Skull on Power Rangers, and they were the 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 humor. I was the humor, but in the sense of let's point and laugh at the nerd, right? And the nerd will constantly get beaten up. So there was an episode I got waterboarded. 
There was an episode I fell down a flight of stairs face first. I got attacked by a Xerox machine. I was always attacked by the dog. There was an episode I had to be chased down the street in my underwear. Um, And there's like no redemption to this. This is just beat up the nerd. Right. And so when kids started recognizing me in person. Yeah. I was attacked a lot. Oh, um, no. Like, it carried over. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. And it got to a point where, like, the network started getting notes. Yeah, And yeah. they said, season two, they came back. They were like, we need to scale back a bit at the, the pointing and laughing at the nerd because yeah. kids at school are getting the wrong impression. And yeah. kids are getting bullied and beaten up. Yeah. Um, so they started actually giving me s- more to work with because right. I'm like, guys, I'm a funny guy. I can yeah. do other things than just trip and fall over and, you know, sneeze at a dog. Right. So it was kind of cool in season two. They actually kind of gave me stuff, even though I wasn't in every episode. And, and um, I mean, and I, I talk to and we talk joke about our age. We're just a couple weeks apart, really. But uh, what nerd meant at a different time. I bring this up all the time on this channel. Yeah, fuck the Big Bang Theory. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's one of the worst. That's a, that's a backhanded it's, it's, compliment. It really is. Um, I remember when Columbine happened, yeah. and it changed so how 90, nerds were. Right? It, yeah, 98, 99. It changed how nerds were written um, in the breakdowns I was getting. Because I, I was sent out a lot for nerdy roles. Sure. You know, this, I yeah. did VR Troopers, and when that was canceled, I ended up working at a bookstore. Like, it was mm. one of those things where I went riding high on this, I'm famous, yeah. I'm going to make it as an actor, screw college. Right, I don't need nothing. I graduated valedictorian in my senior class in high school, and right. I was like, screw college, I'm going to be an actor on this show. Yeah. And um, the show got canceled, and I played a nerdy role in another show called In the House with Debbie Allen and LL Cool J in one episode. That yes. got me into SAG. Yes. I played a nerdy character on ER. I was dressed in an old school like Vulcan outfit um, because I was uh, I was an injured person from a sci-fi convention. Yeah, yeah. Also a nerd. Yeah. And then um, I was on Saved by the Bell, the new class, for two oh, different man. episodes as a nerd, nerd named Iggy who got beaten up and pointed and laughed at. And then Columbine happened and it right. was suddenly like... Let's pump the brakes a yeah, little bit. Yeah. And the nerd characters started changing a little bit where they started getting more human. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like these weren't just punchline. They weren't just surface. Totally. Um, like and then the office happened. And right. when the office happened, that changed how commercials and breakdowns were written. It was suddenly mm. like the weird nerdy characters are suddenly becoming cool. Yeah. Like Dwight Schrute and yeah. Jim, Jim and all that. So a lot of like breakdowns were just like, think the office. And right, it was always right. comparing to that. To the office. And, to um, the office. Then the Big Bang Theory happened. And, Ugh. you know, all these Comic-Con and like all these things became huge. And suddenly nerds are no longer the way they used to be on TV. No. Which is crazy. It's ab- and, and how we grew up on the playgrounds, man. It is a different different time for sure. Yeah, and I'm glad it's changed. But... At our playgrounds, everything was made of metal and concrete. Right. <laughs> I, had a, I had a wood slide with a piece of metal, like, like it was, it would burn in the sun. Yeah. Sharp edges. That's how, that's how you develop character. Yes. Now everything is made of plastic and rubber. Yeah. You know? Bright yellows and reds. I had a grays. playground at the park near my house that uh, there was like this little castle all made of concrete that had little like yeah, yeah. caverns you can go into and it depended on which way you turned where the really, really, really dank piss pockets yeah. would be. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know? And that's just where we played. Yeah. And now it's just all, I don't know. It's just, it's weird. Look, I don't want to sound like an old man, but it's just weird. It's too late. 
Yeah, no, but I, I don't want to sound. Yeah, I, I want the kids of the of today in the future to not get hurt or, te- or, or you know, tetanus shots required to play on the playgrounds there. But hey, there was something to be said for the time we grew up in, where we just the eighties, the eighties, <laughs> yeah. the eighties. So you're you're going through. You mentioned some dark depression stuff. Is that related to the show? The juxtaposition of thinking you've quote unquote made it and you're not, or or what is how how is all that stuff? Oh, I was a weird kid in high school. I was. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I was not popular, and I sure. went to a small school, so I, it was like living in a small town. Right, right, right. You know, so you I got escape. I got bullied, and I had a lack of um, confidence mm-hmm. and self esteem. That uh, you know, you watch shows like Thirteen Reasons Why. There's a show right. called Thirteen Reasons Why on Netflix about this girl who kills herself. Right. And I was suicidal in high school. Sure. And I watched that show, and it thoroughly pissed me off because it presented um, suicide as a you caused me to do this. This isn't my choice. You made me kill myself. Right, right, right. Where it's like, that is a personal decision. Yeah, yeah. Suicide is a personal decision, and it is irresponsible of a show like that to not show or even explore other options. Gotcha. Or explore, um, I guess, the topic in a not-so-stylistic, right, right. cool, gimmicky way. Um, so that really irked me because I've been there in high school. and right. It sounds like exactly it, it, yeah. It was through acting and writing. Uh, I wrote a lot. Right. Um, a lot of poet. Like, I wrote, I wrote a lot of poetry. <laughs> um, you know, just picture, somewhere picture, in picture me wearing just like corduroy and black and, you know, huddled in a corner of a coffee house with my notebook, listening to fucking Tori Amos and Nine Inch Nails in my headphones. Oh, boy. Um, oh, I no. wrote a lot, and that's what saved me, mm-hmm. that and acting. And it wasn't until I started doing theater at that school that people started actually right. giving me respect. And I still had, you know, emotional issues that I, mm-hmm. that, that I didn't necessarily work out. On VR Troopers, but it helped me channel that Channeling energy that. Uh, in certain yeah. places. And, 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 and to be clear, I, I get what you're saying, too, because as a dark depressive ser- person who's had suicidal binges, it's like it's uh, at the end of the day, it's it's uh, we were just talking last week on the show about choices, how choices can define your emotions. And there's a lot of that. And, and not to say that anyone should get away with the bullying or any of that kind of stuff. And I know that's not what you're saying, but, um, that yeah, at the end of the day, uh, it is kind of a, how you deal with the type of situation. I believe it's tough. I chose not to kill myself. And instead I got involved in some really crazy, bad relationships, right. <laughs> well, there's, there's some crazy that. women in my, in my past. Um, right, right, but you right. know, I mean, I look back on my acting career and it, it, when I was acting the most, it was at my most, uh, emotionally erratic times in my life. Gotcha. And I feel like that kind of went hand in hand with the crazy, nerdy, weird stuff I did, you know, right. on camera that right. as soon as I started, as soon as I went into therapy, yeah, yeah. suddenly it was like I wasn't booking jobs anymore. Right, yeah, you're saying- then, then I grew a beard and I gained all this weight <laughs> and it was like, well, shit, I can audition for the dad roles, <laughs> I guess. Um, it's like with my stand-up comedy career, whenever I uh, entered a relationship, I suddenly stopped doing stand-up because I didn't need to go, yeah. you know. Right. Talk to the world you, about you, how I ho- you, hated myself. You mentioned before we started recording that we both worked at the Northridge Mall yeah. at the same time in the late 90s. And that was yeah. through one of my periods of, ah, screw acting. I'm not going to do this. Yeah. Because I can't be an actor and have bright blue hair at the same time. So, yeah. And, and so this is, I was going to talk about this, but we'll get back to some of the other stuff too about your, your career. But so this is an interesting life thing here. Uh, I somehow came up. 
uh, we were talking, I think, when I was trying to get you on TV talk, uh, TV uh, TV fights over on Screen Junkies. Yeah. And so Which is a difficult show. Difficult man. show. It's still yeah. going strong. I it's a tough show to participate in. It is. All those fighting shows are. Yeah, they are. Uh, but it came up. Anyways, um, as a lot of my listeners know, for 17 years, I was in the private security industry. It started at the Northridge Mall in 1998. That there is was, the year I started the, working yeah, there. <laughs> there was a hot topic there, and that is where you worked, right? Yeah. And I remember you walking into your shifts. You, didn't you have, like, you had bright-colored hair? Yeah. Tall, thin? Am I tall? I mean, I, I mean, like at the, the time, I, but did you have like boots on? I used to wear my twenty-hole boots, and yeah. they had a bit of a heel, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. It didn't make me like six feet. Or not anything. like I'm not like Paul Stanley. No, yeah, or I or would Jason. wear my goth, my yeah. like rivet head attire. Yeah. And and I was working there at the time. I worked a lot of times till seven p.m. till three a.m. was my shift. So I'd see people going to their cars. I one hundred percent remember you walking through the mall. Stalking me, like I said, stalking you, just, like following I was, me. I was keeping you safe. Right, were you? Were you the guy I complained to about the menorah? Was that you? Not you, probably no. But we dealt with that later on when I came back in two thousand seven. I was in management. We had to add a menorah. No, I complained that the menorah. Okay, so yeah, uh, no. I, at this, one point they did. So it, yes, uh, I think this was in like I was with my ex girlfriend at the time and I'm walking through the mall, mm-hmm. and it was Christmas, and a lot of people. In America, to this yeah. day, don't realize that Hanukkah and Christmas don't always happen at the same Not time. Not the same thing. And you're catering to, you know, specific people at the mall where, right. as a Jew, <laughs> I, you walk into a Target and during Christmas time, and there are aisles and aisles and aisles of Christmas shit. Yeah, yeah. To find the Hanukkah stuff... You really have to go on a hunt. Yes. Okay? Yes. So that's something that has always irked me. Yes. There's the Macy's Holiday Store that you yes. can go into. One year, I found the Hanukkah stuff on a back wall by the bathroom, <laughs> where all the other Christmas stuff was just in the windows and everything. So walking in the Northridge Mall, yeah, this was after I had worked there, and the menorah was up and lit, and it was a month and a half after uh, Hanukkah had ended, and we were during Christmas. It was yeah, one yeah. of those times where Hanukkah was early, and I got super pissed off. Right, right, And my right. girlfriend was like, well, let's go talk to security. <laughs> and I'm like, do you think they're going to do anything? And I, I actually complained yeah. to security. Yeah. I'm like, take the menorah down. I, I know you want to be representing, but maybe represent the people when their holiday is happening. I'm trying to – do you remember what year? Do you remember what year? I feel like it wasn't 2007, but I think it might have been like 2005 or 2006. That's around the time. So I, I left in 2004, came back in mid-2007, and there had been some changes in how they presented and uh, man, managed the, right. the menorah. So you, sir, did some good. You, you yeah, I'm, sir. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take credit for that. And then every <laughs> year, because when I, when I started there, 98, 99, there was almost next to nothing for Hanukkah. And then well, by the time I got back in 2007, every year, uh, uh, one of the local schools, a bunch of kids would come out from a, a Jewish school and they'd sing songs and, and the whole family, and it would be a thing. And, we'd, and we'd, we made sure it was a it's, thing. It's a mission I go on every year. When I go to Target, I'm like, so how much Hanukkah stuff do they have this year? <laughs> how many employees know what Hanukkah is? You know, because I've, I've run across that where people sure. have oh, no yeah. fucking idea yeah. what Hanukkah is. I'm like, you yeah. work in retail during the holidays. Yeah. You should know because you're also in a neighborhood that is filled with Jewish people. Right, right. I mean, I got I grew up in a, in a very, uh, you know, white Christian small town. And it was it was like my, I, my friend Ami was Jewish. I didn't understand what that was. Yeah. You That's know what I mean? Jack told me. He's like, he's from Idaho and he had no Jewish friends. <laughs> I mean, I had some, but uh, that's so fun. So that, that even intertwines us even more. 
Does it though? Because uh, I might know. not be in charge of the, that change, but it really, it really was frustrating. You yeah, know? it's like I remember when I was a kid. We were at the 99 cent store looking for wrapping paper, and my mom was looking for Hanukkah wrapping paper, and no one in the store knew what that was. Wow. And we were in this is deep-seated. This Van Nuys, yeah. uh, you know, and um, it's not yeah. like we're in middle America. Right, right, right. So, yeah. And, and Hanukkah. And I'm not even a religious person. Yeah, I know just, you are. You know, this, is just, just, this is just you're representing the tribes, brother. <laughs> this is what you're doing. I, it's just, you know. I there's there's certain ethical things. Yeah, it's so funny. And you you you're you're you you are probably not uh, the only one to have said something. Some stuff had come out, and there were, and sometimes if uh, you know the guys lighting this menorah, a lot of times were like you know these really cool dudes, Johnny John Grant, the the maintenance guys. But like they didn't. Right. They're Catholics. I want to tell you something. Yeah. Uh, one year I went hunting for a menorah, and yeah. it was so hard to find one at a store yeah. in L.A. You know where they sell a bunch of menorahs? Do you know where they are always chock full of Hanukkah accoutrement? No. Bed, bath, and beyond. Props to them. <laughs> they have they have aisles of Hanukkah stuff at Bed, bath. If you're going in there looking for like an air purifier <laughs> or a new toilet seat... Or a you know, just pick up a menorah on your way out. Just to have, just to have, <laughs> in case Aaron spot checks you. Yeah, you come over. Yeah, but no, I think I really, sincerely do. I think you probably helped contribute to that change because it That's definitely, really it definitely changed how we approached that. Over. Then there. I'm going to also take credit for their change in the food court because I always complained about the food that they sold at the mall. Well, you know. Maybe I can't give you that Can one. Can I not? Okay. Yeah, maybe I can. But That's anyways, fine. funny. it's been a funny side note because I always, you know, this town is small, but I remember you told me that and I had this kind of like sense memory kind of like it all kind of came back. It was like, I remember, remember you walking up to Hot Topic for your shit. wallet chain. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> big baggy pants, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's so funny. And then here I am, you know, that's where my life was for 17 years. And now we're here. But so acting kind of. During this time, it faded away. Did it? it did it come back? I mean, uh, I understand what you're saying too. When you get this gig and you're thinking, "I've made it. I'm on VR Troopers. It's yeah. going to lead to something else." Yeah. In retrospect, that was a really dumb way of thinking. Yeah, I mean, it's youth. you know, uh, and it makes sense. At the time, my goal was to be famous. I was going to prove all the kids in high school wrong. And when VR Troopers was canceled, and they were just canceled because they ran out of Japanese footage. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they ran out of Japanese footage, and right, right, so right. they shot over 90 episodes in two years. Right. Which, I mean, do the math there. That's a lot. That's a lot. When you think of, like, American Horror Story, is right. just 13 episode 13. seasons. Yeah. Um, Game of Thrones 7 this next I year. I went from know. there to working at uh, Super Crown Books in Glendale. Yes. And then... I worked at Hot Topic. I was working a bunch of odd jobs because I didn't yeah. want to be a waiter. I'm not good at food service, and I don't like people. So, <laughs> I cannot imagine you a waiter. <laughs> so I got into coffee. I started working at a bunch of different coffee places right. while I was auditioning. And I started, you know, I, bu- I was booking more commercials than I was TV shows or movies, where mm-hmm. my original my original vision was I'm going to be a movie star. Right. Well, that didn't happen, but I started working a lot in commercials. Um I've done over, like, 25 commercials. Wow. Uh, which was cool. They pay well when they air. When they air, right. Um, I did a commercial in 2015. Really? So, like... I it, did, okay, that's news. I Kind of news to me. I didn't know you were still going in that realm at all. I'm not. So, well, still. So, I'm still in SAG, though. Sure. So, it's like... Um, as an actor, and it, it, in Nick Offerman says it best in his book, uh, Paddle Your Own Canoe. Always have something else going on in your life. Right. Because if, if this is the end-all, be-all, if you are relying on 
auditioning and booking jobs to to pay your rent and to equate your own self-worth, you're going to go into that room and your desperation is going to come off and right. you're going to sabotage yourself. And I fully have to agree with that because I was in positions left and right where it was like I felt like a loser, right. but if I book this commercial or, you know, right, whatever. Right, and right. I did a lot of weird, fun. I was Charlize Theron's boyfriend in a Japanese Honda commercial. I was, what? you know, I've done yeah. a lot of weird, fun, cool stuff, right. but it wasn't steady. And um, when you do stuff for cable or when you right. do like a buyout for international, it's not a lot of money. Right, <laughs> you know? right, right, right. And then you're stuck going, well, what am I going to do now? So I was bouncing around from job to job. Right. And I would book these jobs, and I, I booked a job in 2002 while I was working at Super, not Super Crown, uh, Borders Books and Music. Right. Where I became the spokesperson for Burger King in Germany. <laughs> but I didn't get flown out to Germany. We shot it out here, but I had to speak German. Alpine Village in Anaheim? What do you And it was 13 different commercials I did. Wow. And I was on Burger King tray liners. I was. Uh, you were I was, the guy. You were the king. I was Smokey. My name was Smokey, Smokey, and I had a friend named Mike, and it was me and the shorter black guy, and we were just the cool guys going around town, Smokey. and we did some print work, and I still have it all. I remember yeah. there was one about spicy buns, and the print work <laughs> for it was us pointing at the camera while the superimposed behind us are just was just a giant image of women suntanning at the beach. Oh, no. And just their buns <laughs> getting the sun. Um, but, it, you know, German, what, what are you going to do? Yeah, what um, are you going to do? But it's like, you know, I was working at bookstores, and it was when I would go in an audition where I already where I knew I had other things in my life. Yeah. And I sort of just threw it away in my head and didn't right. worry about it. That's when I used to book stuff. Right. But then around 2007, hmm. a lot of... Bad things happened in my life, and oh. I started had I had to reevaluate things. I shaved mm-hmm. my head. I went into therapy, and I started going to the gym. I went to a psychiatrist. Yeah, I started eating better. I got well, these you are know, good things, right? Diagnosed <laughs> me with uh, you know with certain um, uh, like depressive issues, and instead sure. of taking medication, I started taking different supplements that uh, evened out you know the imbalances in my sure, head. Sure. And as soon as I did that, I stopped booking work, See, and I started yeah, realizing I'm no longer an erratic spaz. Right. I mean, I am, but. <laughs> But, um, you know, I don't – I didn't look the way I used to. I started getting into shape yeah, yeah. where it's like no muscular nerds are being called right, in. Right. You, you know what I mean? And I started looking older. Yeah. Um, and and you, uh, you didn't have a hole in your soul as much to fill, it would say. No, yeah. yeah. But it's it's weird because I somehow fell into online journalism. It was just yeah. a hobby, blogging, and that became kind of a regular gig after a while. Yeah. And – I was working a member sur- like a member support job at MTV. It was a weird job that I had for six, seven years. When I got laid off, we had a bunch of severance, and mm. I said, and it was the year I was getting married. Okay. So it was like six, my marriage was six months out, or right. seven months out, impending. Um, and I'm like, well, I have severance. What do I do? Do I look for work right now, or do I try to make it as an actor again? I mean, right. I'm in SAG. I know I can get an agent like that, which is stupid to say, because I know a lot of people in yeah. town who are pursuing yeah, no. this work are having a hard time finding an agent, and I'm really sorry. <laughs> but I know I have a specific look right. that commercial agents love, and right. I got an agent within a month. Right. I just looked, and uh, I did the work. I had I already had headshots. I had a reel. I had you know experience, and I didn't even care. Yeah. I didn't yeah. care, and I got this agent, this is the key. and they fucking loved me, and um, by, like, 
I want to say by May or June of that year, right. I booked a commercial that was for, it was a Toyota commercial. Right. For the Spanish market. You're good in foreign markets, man. Yeah. I have that look. And I was going in as the angry white neighbor. Perfect. Who was pruning a bush. And when I came, I had to be in a bathrobe and I didn't have one. So I had to wear my wife's bathroom, which is like two sizes too small on me. And I go in and it's just a bunch of really old, a lot older than me guys. Right. Who are all nebbishy looking, who are all in bathrobes. And I go in and they hand me shears. Right. So I'm supposed to be miming angrily trimming a bush because my neighbor just got a new car and I can't afford it. Right, right. And when I said, my name is Aaron Pruner, they were like, your last name's Pruner. (laughs) Because I'm pruning a fucking bush in this commercial. And they were like, well, you just pretty much got the job. And then I just was just ad-libbing and I got the job, but it never aired. Right. So it's like that's another thing where it's like, yes, yeah. I booked a commercial. I am still an artistic, creative <laughs> individual. I'm still and uh, alive. I, I have I have the commercial. Mm. Uh, it never aired though, but wow. that's fine because I was doing a podcast. Right, and I, at that point, I started um, freelancing for Uprocks. Right, where I was writing for them. And I was also working for their parent company. Like, I got in and was working at Woven, the company that owned Uproxx as, like, a story researcher working in their video um, right. Their video department just started up. And they were doing different video, what like, web series right. stuff that got awards since I left. And um, so I had other things so going. Going on. Yeah. Right. And I just got laid off, like, a month ago. You and did. I, I you said did. to my wife, I'm like, so, uh, dude, should I get should, back on that I, horse? Yeah. <laughs> Would you? Would you? I don't know, because here's the thing. It's like... Well, I guess the I question is, up, why not? Well, I ended up... Because because um, it's not stable money, so I'm still mm. looking for a full-time regular job. And right, you right. get that full-time job, and if you have an agent, and say you're working like 9 to 5 at a job that isn't open to you leaving right, for right, right. a couple hours in the day... That agent's not going to be happy. Your right. boss isn't going to be happy if you leave. So it's like a conflict of interest there. Because as soon as I got the job at Zap to it, um, which became Screener, right. which is my most pre- recent job, um, I had to tell my agent I gotta, I, I you gotta do put this. me, put, freeze me, like put me on a right. out of office or something. Because if I'm working the steady gig and I was writing about TV news and breaking news, if something breaks, yeah, like yeah. if Robin Williams kills himself yeah. and I'm in, across town, you know, yeah. auditioning for a Dairy Freeze commercial <laughs> or something, is Dairy Freeze even a thing? I, it, I uh, think dairy, it is. Yeah, no, there, there's I one up the street here. The staples? Like, I don't know. I'm t- I'm we can get a soft serve ice cream after this. It's yeah, right I'm lactose street. intolerant. Yeah. Thanks for the idea. Um you know, it, yeah. it, it it doesn't fly for anyone. Yeah, so I yeah, knew both that sides. that was why in the '90s I was working a lot of odd jobs at night, right? Or working at Starbucks where I could get my shift covered, right? I don't know, man. Like at this point, I'm a 40 year old guy with a beard who is 40 pounds heavier than he was when I when he when, when he was booking regularly. Here right. I am now talking about myself in the third person. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Do, I'm open to it. I'm open to the concept of doing on camera stuff. 
as long as my agent doesn't automatically think I'm always available. Right, right. I don't know. Right now I'm always available. Who knows where I'm going to be in a month? But where, so this, you're primarily working in online journalism now. Or yeah. That's, that's what you're, you're do, do you like that? Did you fall, you said you fell into it as a is hobby. That, is this a job interview, Ken? Yes, it is. To, please tell me, fill? please tell me what you. <laughs> you're looking to fill a role? Um, I mean, yeah, uh, you know. Because it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird, it's a weird way I got into this. Yeah. Um, it, when I was in high school, I, I, everyone thought I was going to be a writer. Because mm-hmm. I wrote all the time. And writing is just fun and easy for me. So I never looked at it as work. And when I, in 2009, I was still working at MTV. And one of the websites I, I read regularly was a horror website called Icons of Fright. It's right. about, you know, horror entertainment. And they were doing, they had a writing contest. They were looking for new, um, new contributors. And I'm like, oh, I'll try this. I'll I need a hobby. I don't have a girlfriend. Right. This was a year before I met my girlfriend, mm-hmm. who is now my wife. Um, and so they, I forget what the rules were of this submission process, but it was like a creative thing. We're writing about your favorite movie, horror movie or whatever. And I thought to myself, I'm going to one up that. Mm. And I wrote a poem about Hellraiser. This about is poetry. Pinhead life, and Clive Barker. Yeah. And I wrote it in the vein of a Tom Waits song. Oh gosh. Yeah. And um, I end? got it, and then it turns out I'm the only one. Like, not right, a lot of right. people submitted. Um, but from there, <laughs> like, still won. writing for Icons of Fright was very eye-opening because suddenly I'm just blogging for free, but I'm getting into things as press. So right, I'm right, suddenly right. getting into red carpets, and I'm, I'm doing, like, a thing that used to be called the Igor Awards at at. Universal Studios, which was the opening night of Halloween Horror Nights, right, right, where they would give out stupid awards that no one really deserved, but but to different horror m- movie makers, right. that may also be tied to certain mazes that were featured that year. Um, I would go to that, and then suddenly, because I'm writing for this horror website, I'm meeting all these people in the horror movie industry, right? Directors, writers, celebrities. I'm suddenly friends with Derek Mears, who played Jason in the Friday right, the Thirteenth right. remake, and you know AJ Bowen, who was in um, a bunch of Ty West movies, and and I met them all just because I was writing for this website, and I was get I got into Comic Con for the first time right. for free because of that. That wasn't the first time I went, right? Right, right. but as as, a, as press, yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, maybe I can do something, something. with this, yeah. So I was doing that. I did the booze refuse things with doing thing with Jack, Jack while I was working my full time job. And a couple of years later, I pitched an idea to Geek Nation. Yeah, they picked up the podcast and at the same time said, "Hey, do you do you want to write for us?" Right. And that was my first real paid writing gig doing this. Right. And I wrote a bunch of stuff for them, and I did um, I did this podcast, Pass the F and Remote. With Jack, and we got we had celebrity guests come in, and I met a bunch of more people who I never thought I'd meet. Right. And um, from that, I started reaching out and freelancing places. And that's how my, it happened. The first big site that I wrote for was FearNet, where I'm like, Holy oh, yeah, shit, yeah, I'm writing for FearNet. And then yeah. I wrote for Dread Central. I'm like, oh my God. And then I thought, what if I can write about television? <laughs> you know? It's, I was, I was going to ask, is, is, is horror, horror is clearly something you are drawn to that's right? what i grew up on yeah yeah gotcha. yeah but tv was also something and right. so then um when i got in with uprocks i i i don't know how it happened but i just ended up on the tv team right so i was Fate. one of the guys writing about tv for uprocks for like over a year 
and they weren't paying me well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had just come off being unemployed. I had gotten married. I had gone to Europe for my honeymoon, came back, and my wife was like, okay, you need to go to uh, the mall and apply at the food court. We need something. Something. And I said, just be patient. I feel like something's going to happen. And a week later, I got offered the job at UpRocks. Right. But UpRocks didn't pay a lot. It yeah. paid me, and it made me feel official, yeah. but it was hard. It wasn't money I could live off of. It's part of that and digital media thing, man. After a year... I found a position that I never thought I would qualify for at Zap to it, and I thought, screw it, I'm going to apply for this anyways, and apparently I was the most qualified for it, yeah. and I ended up working there for a year and seven months, and that turned into the website screener right. that I then got uh, laid, laid off. off for. So you're not, now you're back at this point. I'm back freelancing. You're... I just did the Twin Peaks premiere on Friday, the red carpet. I saw you you're going to that, yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, I got invited to that the day after I got laid off, and I'm uh. like, I said to the PR person, Give me a few days. Let me see if I can find an outlet I can do, <laughs> yeah. do, like do, cover this for. And I did. Wow. So where where are you? Uh, where do you go from here, man? You you are in the same boat. We're we're staring down the future. The future has has shown up, whether we want to or not. You know, we Ken, work in this weird digital media empire type know, stuff <laughs> that can, that could vanish tomorrow. Uh, it could, couldn't it? Yeah. Because um, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of uh, online journalists are suddenly unemployed or yeah. in the position I'm in. It's a weird, it's a weird, it's a weird job. And my wife and I, my wife, the, the topic of kids have been on the conversation Uh-oh. a lot recently. Where it's like, well, shit, I need a job where I can not only support yeah. myself, but you and someone else and, and another human. But I'd also like to be creative. Yeah. And you and I were talking about, you know, are you open on camera stuff? You know, Jack and I talk about this a lot too. Like, I don't necessarily see myself as a producer right but i produced enough things where i feel like i can exist in that world right and when i left screener i was so overworked i worked seven days a week every week Um, yeah i'd see you posting on the weekends that you're (laughs) working yeah yeah um they would always be like well if you work smarter not harder but we expect four articles from you on saturday and four articles from you on sunday and also the articles for shows that air those nights but you right. don't have to work on the weekends. I'm yeah. like, you do understand what you're saying. It makes no sense. Right. Um, so when I got laid off, I took some time. Like, fuck, I don't want to do this anymore. Right. Screw this. This is like, this made watching television no longer fun for me. Right. And a couple of weeks go by and I start missing it. And then I go to yeah. the Twin Peaks red carpet premiere. And you like it. And, and you still want it. Well, Twin Peaks changed my life in the 90s. It, oh, yeah? During the time I was suicidal and depressed really? and weirdo in school, I discovered Twin Peaks and Nine Inch Nails around the same time. And they both, both of those art forms That's made so me cool. understand that there's a place for my voice. Right. And that I'm not a, as much of a weirdo as I thought I was, as much of an outcast. And so going there, that was a religious experience. That's why right. I told you Twin Peaks is premiering the night tonight. Yeah. yeah. We're recording. I mean, we got to get you out of here. There soon, are dude. four episodes yeah. that are going to be up on Hulu tonight. <laughs> and I tried explaining to my wife. She's like, I don't understand it, but I, I'm happy yeah, I'm here to excited. support you, honey. Um, but trying to wrap back around to the question you yeah. asked me, um, I'm in a TV writer's workshop right now. Okay. Just randomly. Okay. Just uh, on info list, this email came through, and I'm all, well, I'm not doing anything with my time. Right. And I love TV. I'd like to see it from a different perspective. So now I have to put together a pitch for an idea to possibly oh, wow. pitch to an executive. And then I find out they're actually going to have people who work in the business. So like, you could be on the cusp of a new life. And I'm toying around with the idea of writing a book. 
you've heard just a snippet of of my life, uh-huh. and uh, I'm toying around with the idea of writing a memoir or something. But basically, my days have been filled with applying to jobs, and a lot of them are in this line of <laughs> yeah. work. You yeah. know, entertainment you editors. Just... I have a badge to Comic Con, yeah. and no reason to go as of yet. And and you that... best believe I'm going to be there. Oh, absolutely! I, I, it's it's kind of a tradition where I run into you at a random coffee shop in San Diego. Comic-Con. That's right. It happens a lot. That's right. It happens I a forgot lot. about that. Yeah. So um, I have some leads, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I know this. In 2014, 2015, when I was unemployed, I got to a very desperate place. Mm. And I was hustling like a motherfucker to try Mm. to prove myself that I can do this job. Right. And then I got a big break. Right. And now I have so many contacts in the industry where AMC just reached out to me asking me if I can write a review for something of theirs. Mm. And they're going to pay me, but I have to sign a non-disclosure because I can't sure. tell you what it is. You just violated like, it. Well, um, but you know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah. wait, you're going to pay me like, just because so you like my stuff? And yeah, we love you. And so it's like, yeah. I didn't have that in 2013. I put forth a lot of work, and now I have a lot of plate spinning and a lot of right. possibilities in the air. But I haven't heard anything yet because the network upfronts were just last week. Right. And so a lot of people who I'm waiting to hear back from are still traveling. So I'm not as erratic or panicking yet right right i'm also a neurotic jew so the panic is right there. there i'm like an alcoholic who's about to puke you know i could just i could just taste the panic right there at the back of it's my throat right, it's bubbling up it may it, yeah bubbling up. yeah but i just you know yeah but uh yeah I don't, I don't know i'm not i'm not freaking out yet that's good that might be because i have That's severance good. and unemployment, unemployment. coming in and, and you're here on a podcast uh as, as we start to round up yeah i feel important thank you, you yeah Ken. you are important this has worked out um you've had you've had some amazing experiences some struggles like uh, you, the whole the whole gamut of of experiences and emotions here you're married we didn't really dive into that but uh do you consider yourself you, a happy person no never have that's what i wanted to get at because you and i we share a little bit of a commercial streak that's a funny. That's a funny question. My wife is a happy person, and she's all about um, <laughs> self help and like meditation, and she's right. into different things to make you a better person, right? Right. I have. So I think Jack, or some, or no, my friend Graham. He was <laughs> mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. He said, "Yeah, I wouldn't call you a happy person," and I got really offended about that. Mm. But then I started thinking about it, and I'm like, "Well, why would he call me a happy person? I'm always complaining." And when I write stuff on, on Facebook or Twitter, it always comes off like a complaint or that I'm depressed. And right. I've been trying to be better. I went to Hawaii earlier in the year to visit my best friend. And there's something about going to Hawaii and getting away from the city and getting back in touch with nature and being around animals. And when you go out at night and yeah. see all the stars, and you really contemplate things. Right. And um, we lost someone very close to us soon after that that kind of had me reflecting a lot Mm -hmm. on my own upbringing, on the chaos of my childhood and and certain dark things of my past. And it's like I know we're products of trauma. We're products of of our childhoods. Right. Um, I've always been angsty and... Depression runs in my family. Right. I tried killing myself when I was 17. Right. Like, these are things that I can talk about freely now. Now. But when I was on VR Troopers, like, I was embarrassed for a long time until I started mm-hmm. going to the convention, Power Rangers conventions. Right. 
and working through it and seeing all these people, all these fans right. come up to me and tell me how I helped them. Like they were nerdy, nerdy or whatever. Nerdy kids, yeah. And th- that I was their only friend growing up. And right. it's weird when I think about my own screwed up past. Right. And the own the chaos and stuff and think that I held no real importance to my role that I had on that show. Right. And then see the impact that my work had on these people I've right. never met. Like when I first went, I was still working at MTV. And this one person drove out from Texas just to get my autograph. Really? And they used their rent money to pay for gas. And they didn't know how they were going to pay for rent. But it was more important to come out and meet me. Wow. And I said, y'all know I'm going back to a cubicle on Monday, <laughs> right? Like, So when you ask me if I'm a happy person, I happiness doesn't come naturally to me. Mm. And I don't know if that's inherently a Jewish thing. <laughs> or or I don't chemicals. Know. Yeah. yeah, there's... I don't... I'm not a upset person but no it it it's fulfilling to me to know that there are certain things i've done in my life that have impacted others and right. so when i lost this job at screener i said to my wife the one thing i want to do is the next position i would like to have is i would like to at least contribute something more to the world where it's not just me complaining about the newest episode of supernatural right 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 which so you, maybe writing a book or, mm-hmm. or I don't even know. And that's something I'm starting to face, too. Uh, this podcast and other things I do podcast-wise are a little different. But where as I get – we're so in this digital media industry and my career is breaking down Game of Thrones. But I didn't move here to do that. I moved here to create an effect. And, and our personalities and this personality-based business can affect what you're saying at these conventions makes sense. Um, it's not that they – they don't care that you're in a cubicle. They care about what your work did to them right. at a key point in their life. And I'm telling you, man. Like, and you want to add to that. The guy who played the voice of the dog. Yeah. Kerrigan Mahan. And I'm going to call him out because he's, a, <laughs> he's, a, he's quite a guy. He said to me one year when I went, he's like, these fucking losers. Mm. He's like, they don't even know. You can, get, you can pull so much money off of them because just charge them for headshot, you know, right. charge them for it. I'm like, why would you do that? And he's like, I don't fucking care. Right. And this is stuff he's telling me right. at the convention. And as soon as I get these people coming up to me saying how much they meant to me, I'm like, that I meant to them. Yeah. I'm not going to charge them for an autograph. Right. You know, because that's all I need is them telling me that. Yeah, it's just weird. Sorry, I interrupted. No, that's great. No, and it's good. And but I, I it, it, it speaks to, uh, you know, like you said, you, you, you're, you're commenting on supernatural, and that's a career that pays well. But it's like, was that, is that the legacy you want to leave? Not lead? changing the world here. Yeah, you yeah. Know? So yeah. that's why my wife is really trying to get me to write this book, and I have an idea for a TV show that I'm going to try to write a pitch about. Right. That and is this kind of yeah. is kind of about some of the stuff you and I were just talking about, Good. but I'm not going to like really say what it is. But I'm, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't want my legacy to be the guy that complained about television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know. Exactly. Just like I don't want to be the guy who could analyze six seasons of Game of Thrones. You know, I don't... Yeah. I feel like you and I are Statler and Waldorf for the modern generation. Yeah, yeah we are a little <laughs> bit. That's why I always uh, felt uh, an immediate kinship with you as a f- fellow curmudgeon. But I am trying to uh, find what happiness means to me, what I want it to mean to me. Yeah. And that's why I asked you directly, are you a happy guy? Because I oh, historically have not been a happy guy, but I don't know what that means. I don't walk around every day with a cloud over me. I'm going to tell you something. I know yeah. that this show has to end, but yeah. I... I 
Oh God, I hope no one there listens to this. So I have, I applied, you know, I'm applying to all sorts of jobs. I'm trying to have a large net and I have experience doing customer service. Right, right. So I applied at a position as a quote, customer success manager. Oh, wow. Where I'm like, yeah, Yeah. whatever, just sugarcoat it. We all know what it is. But it's a pl- it's at a place that is all about healthy snacks, and they right, right. they sell healthy snacks to to offices and everything, and they have this whole like intro video to watch, right? Which is a bunch of millennials partying, slow motion like stylized stuff right. where it's like a slow motion video and like all this cool stuff about your company, and I got. An email back where they're like, congratulations, you moved on to the next phase. And I said to my wife, I'm like, I don't even want this job. <laughs> like, <laughs> this doesn't at all fit my persona yeah. because I started reading the the perks of the job. And there was right. a video to go watch talking about they have Tuesday night yoga and oh, they well, have, yeah, yeah. you know, healthy snacks and unlimited vacation, which is fine. I like Great, unlimited that's vacation. Good. Yeah. But then they have like uh, these sessions where everyone praises everyone else's Oh, um, yeah. performance, yeah. and then there's another I thing. I start pulling out at that point. You know, there's a bunch of, like, workshops where they're doing their best to make everyone the, the best version of themselves. Right. And my wife, who is really into meditation and homeopathic right, stuff, and she's like, that sounds amazing. And the voice in my head was like, fuck all these people. <laughs> <laughs> these All these millennials, like, they yeah. don't even know. I'm going to come in there with my sarcastic personality. They're not no. going to get my jokes. Yep. But I got this email. They were like, so the next step is we would like to, you to create a video. Oh, no. And answer these questions in the video. And one of the questions in the video, in the email that I'm supposed to answer is, how weird are you? <laughs> how weird are you, sir? I'm like, yeah. you really want me to open you that door? To That's not going to get me hired anywhere. Uh, so, you, but, but it's like, you know, you're asking if, if I'm a happy person. All of these people look happy, but it almost looks like they're Jim Jones drinking the Kool-Aid cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I went looking, I studied up, I did some research, and on Glassdoor, there's a lot of negative reviews calling them, like, cult yeah, like, yeah, environment. Yeah, yeah, well, it seems like it. And Already. You I guess, be in, like, the right frame of mind. I don't want you to get this job, Aaron. I'm not in the right frame of mind. I don't want you to be happy for, because of this job. Yeah, I don't like happy people like that. <laughs> don't. Don't push your Kool-Aid on me. I'm drinking coffee already. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. That's part of the struggle. No, I know what you mean, but sometimes I don't. I just don't buy other people's happiness. I'm not rooting against people. I'm happy the way Larry David is happy. That's a great way to say it, yes. Kirby enthusiasm speaks to me on a probably too close of a comfort me level. Me too. I'm happy yeah. the way Richard Lewis is happy. You yeah. know, when I saw him when I was a kid, I'm like, I understand him. Yeah. Why are people laughing? I don't understand why they're laughing. He's, 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 he's telling truths. He's not telling yeah. jokes. I don't know. Well, I hope... Somehow, some way, you find some form of close to happiness. I, I, but I also I, don't look, want man, you to I change. Man, I got married. Yeah. I never thought that was going to happen. Yeah. I have a woman that loves me. Did that happen suddenly fast? Did you just know? I knew the first day I met her. I met her on the, off the internet. I met her yeah. on an internet dating website. Well, wow, that's a. She was the final date I was going to go on because I was so sick and tired of it. Like, yeah, all the crazy people. And yeah. apparently I was the final guy she was going to go out on a date with. Oh. We lived two blocks from each other. Wow. Didn't know that. And, uh, yeah, I knew the day I met her that there was something about her. She said the day she met me that I was really annoying and obnoxious. That seems about right. And I said, go look back at my dating profile. Those words are in there. <laughs> I wasn't selling Buyer's short. remorse. Yeah. That's great. That's yeah. great. But seriously, uh, don't change, but also I hope you find. Don't change. Just evolve. Just evolve. 
just evolve. Uh, Aaron Pruner is uh, fascinating, interesting. If he ever writes a book, he'll come back here and promote it, but we'll bring you back soon. I'd love to have maybe you and Jack on together. Oh, God. No one will ever get a word in. I love it. We'll do, I'll do it. It'll be like a battle. That guy's a fast talker. He's the fastest in the West. And as soon as he gets some alcohol in him, good luck. It's the best. But uh, uh, but but for now, glad to have you on here, sir. So, so I know you have some online presence, so sell that to the people. Where can they find you? Oh, I was going to say, you want me to sell presents? You um, can sell presents. You can find me in the back of the club, smoking on... Um, okay, sorry. No, uh, uh, this isn't Punch Drunk TV. I'm not that yeah. persona. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I'm Aaron Flux, A-A-R-O-N-F as in Frank, L-U-X. Like Aeon Flux, which my uncle apparently is familiar with. Found that out recently. Uh, it's an old screen name. I should probably change it, but I'm not going to. It's who you are. Um, same, that's the same screen name on Facebook as well as Instagram and... Punch Drunk TV. Yeah. I should probably pimp that. Do that. uh, It's going on four years. Um, If you want to listen to me and Jack drink and yell randomly about TV stuff for way too long. The episodes go way too long. Um, You could find us on Twitter at Punch Drunk underscore TV. Punch Drunk TV on Facebook. Punch Drunk TV dot com. The website is going to be updated soon-ish. Um, and go to go to iTunes. I mean, if you like what you hear, give us a rating because we don't have very many. It rate. definitely helps. Well, that's where you can find Aaron Pruner. You guys out there know where you can find me at KenNapsuck. Use the hashtag the Napsuck files to join the conversation. Maybe you worked with Aaron at some point in the 90s. God, I'm so sorry you if you need to did. come forward <laughs> and let it know. Come forward with come, your accusations absolutely. now. Absolutely. Your podcast is available on Stitcher and Podomatic and iTunes. Like Aaron said, subscribe if you haven't already, but rate and review. It definitely helps us out. The Patreon page is up, patreon.com slash the Napsuck files support if you want to. There's a lot of different reward tiers and special things for you guys there. That is it for Aaron, for me, for all the goth children that worked at Hot Topic while security guards watched them. We'll see you next time. Dark. Dark.